0: welcome to the audio podcast of the father's house we hope and pray you are both challenged and encouraged by this time in the word all right come on you had your coffee you're ready to hear the word of god today so good to be with you if you don't know me my name is andrew and i'm the lead campus pastor here at the father's house and it's such a privilege to be uh, able to bring you the Word today. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to bring a paper Bible to church. It's so great because we're gonna read the scriptures and they're gonna be on the screen as well, but the word of God is alive and active. If you want to hear God's voice in your life, then this is a great place to start. God, this is God's inspired word and it's not just an old history book, although it contains lots lots of history, but God uses this to communicate directly with you. When you carve out some time, you just start reading the word of God, meditating on his words, and then he'll speak to you. He'll illuminate something in the scriptures. So if, when you're when we're in church and, and reading, we study the Bible, this is the truth, this is the foundation, this is the plumb line on how we live our lives. If it's in the Bible, we believe it. So uh, this is, is great to uh, highlight and, and underline. And then when you're going out throughout your week, spend some time reading the Word of God, and you can see, oh, that's something I, I highlighted there. I don't know. just, I like that. It spoke to me, and you can dig a little bit deeper into, into God's Word, so I encourage you to, to do that, but we're going to be reading some scripture uh, today, so I've asked Alana to play some nice background music. Doesn't that just sound nice? We can just, just breathe it in for, just everyone take a big, deep breath in. Doesn't that, I feel like we're at the spa. Do you guys feel that? Just me. It's getting weird in here? No, you guys are okay? Okay, you're all right? (laughs) Turn the humidity up all the way. Let's get this thing cranking. No, that'd be weird. (laughs) We're going to get to the Word today, and so we're going to finish off. We've been in a series called After God's Heart, and it's a study in the life of David. If you've ever heard of David and Goliath, come on, that classic battle where this young boy, David puts a rock through this giant's head, and he falls down, and he cuts his head off. Any kids in the room here? Yeah, no? Okay. It gets pretty violent, but it's all in the Word of God, so it's pretty uh, exciting to to read your Bible. But we've learned about uh, that battle, how there's still giants in our lives that we face, but God gives us a weapon. He gives us a strategy to defeat those giants in our life. We've learned about uh, the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God in the Old Testament that David went after. He went after the Ark in the presence of God and won it back to their camp. And people experienced the power and the presence of God. And we learned not to make the sacred things common, the holy things. You guys being here today, gathered together as the church, this is sacred. So we, not, we would not make this common. And then last week we learned about one of David's greatest sins, that he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he ended up murdering the guy who she was married. And if you haven't listened to last week's service, I encourage you to go online. You can do that at our website if you Google it. And so we're continuing on this series. We've looked at all these different events in David's life and through the ups and downs, the highs and lows, going after God and bringing back the ark and the presence of God and also in the pit of despair and sin, that David is still recorded as a man after God's own heart. And if David could be known as a man after God's heart, then so can we. Regardless of our past, regardless the history, regardless of what we've done, God still uses us. He used David, and he can use us today. So today we're going to be focusing on uh, probably one of the most exciting subjects for people to hear about at church, sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a few people excited for that. Okay. It would be weird, I guess, if, you, if a whole bunch of you got excited about sacrifice. It would be scary. Um, so we're going to be learning about how, why David was a, uh, known as a man after God's heart in the area of his sacrifice, and how this still applies to us today. So again, if you have your Bible, you can open your word to 2 Samuel 24. This is the last chapter of the book of Second Samuel that we've been reading through, and this is uh, to give you a bit of a context, this is in David's old age. He's not a young buck. He's not the, you know, 15, 16-year-old slaying giants. He has now reigned uh, as king for a long time. And he says, or this is the word of the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 24. So we're going to read through it together. And I'm going to kind of preach and teach our way through the scripture. That sound good today? Yes. All right, here we go. Let's dig in it says now again the anger of the lord burned against israel and it incited david against them to say go number israel and judah the king said to joab the commander of the army who was with him go about now through all the tribes of israel from dan to beersheba and register the people that i may know the number of the people so david is the king of israel of all these people. And then one day, pride enters his heart and he decides to determine to count the number of people. Now, you might think, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, in these days, numbering Israel was a sin. Taking this census to determine how many people you had was a sin. Now, it's important to note that God did not make David sin, sin, pride, was already in David's heart. God simply allowed it to take place, allowed that to happen. There's a parallel account in First Chronicles that said, Satan rose up and incited David against Israel. So there is a very real power at work in our lives as human beings of our own flesh that desires certain things, whether it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, our own pleasure, Or the pride of life and here it is the pride of life that david says number the people let's do this census so that i may know the number of the people it's important to note god will never tempt you to sin the bible says that all these sins come not from the father but from the world it's our own pleasures our own sinful nature that we're just a fallen people on a fallen planet that desire certain things and that's different for each person. And here David is with pride in his heart to know how many people he has because his strength did not rely on God in this moment. It was relying on his own strength. I want to know how many people I got on my side. Now, There's generally two reasons why you would take a census in this day. One is to levy a tax on the people, and two is to go to war. God never called David to do either of these. So this census came from his own imagination, his own idea. And in those days, you could not count, you could not number what did not belong to you. Israel did not belong to King David. Israel belongs to God. Now, it's interesting to note, this is the same David who, when faced with the giant Goliath, said, it's not by weapons, it's not by sword or spear that, the, that this battle is won. It's not by human might. It is by the strength of the Lord, for this is the Lord's battle. But here David is, not trusting in God, but trusting in his own resources, We'll continue in the scripture, it says, but Joab said to the king, now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of the Lord the king still see. But why, why, but why does my Lord the king delight in this thing? You see, Joab knows that this is a sin. Joab's the commander of the army, he's like, hey listen, King David, I'm your wingman. I got you, bro. If we're going to do this, let's do this. I'm with you 100% of the way. But we need to think about our choices here. We just need to just relax for just a second. Are you sure you want to number the people, take this census? Because he knew that it's a sin. So here's David's wingman. Now, how many of you uh, in the room here were the designated driver back in the day? Just a few hands there. Okay, perfect. So those of you that didn't raise your hands were the other person. Okay, good. Just need to know who I'm preaching to today. We've got a room full. Let's go. This is good. Continue on. It says, Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to register the people of Israel. So when they had gone about through the whole land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword and the men of Judah were 500,000. Now back in these days, they didn't even have Nokia phones or or Apple phones. Like this was a long time. So to count the people took a long time. You You could just Picture them counting K okay. one two three four six hundred seventy two six hundred seventy three four thousand three hundred twenty two four thousand three hundred twenty three four thousand three four thousand three hundred shoot one two three So it took nine months, almost 10 months, for this whole census to be completed across the land. And they finally get this total number, and they bring it to King David. As we continue in the scripture, it says this. Now David's heart troubled him after he had numbered the people. Other translations say that his conscience was stricken, that there was this undesirable, uncomfortable feeling. David gets what he's been asking for in his own heart, to know the number of these people that he believes to be his, to know what I've got going for me. And ultimately, it doesn't satisfy. The word says that his heart troubled him, that he felt sick inside. Now, we know that feeling, If you face, when you face temptation to sin, to do something that ultimately separates you from right relationship with God, that gap, that missing the mark that we often do wherever you're at in your life. You feel that guilt, this condemnation. You see, there's something deep within us that tries to fill our lives with all these other things whether it's an external or an internal feeling or desire. The truth is that there's nothing else that will satisfy us like Jesus, like the nearness to God that we need, that that hole in our heart is designed to be filled through God, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the temptation and the trap of sin leaves us feeling guilty and shameful. Jesus said, there's no more condemnation for you. You're a new person in Jesus Christ. So David gets the numbers, it doesn't satisfy his heart, and that void still exists. And then David says to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. He recognizes his sin. He says, Lord, Please take away the iniquity, the sin, the wrongdoing of your servant. For I have acted very foolishly. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and speak to David. Thus the Lord says, I'm offering you three things. So this is his punishment. He gets to pick your punishment. That's kind of cool, hey? How many kids would love that, right? Well, let's find out about the punishments first. Here we go. So three things. He says, you choose what you want. Dealer's choice. You either get seven years of famine come to you in your land, or you get three months while your enemies pursue you, or three days of pestilence in your land, which is a severe plague of death. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us now fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hands of man. So David recognized his sin, and his heart longs to be near to God again, to be close to God again. And he seeks forgiveness. He wants to be made right with God. And he and he is, but there is still a consequence. There's still a consequence of the choices that he made. That God uses these to, to prune, to teach us, that we would grow further in our understanding and knowledge of him that he knows what's best for us to ultimately trust in him and god's uh, david said i don't want punishment from other men like i don't want to be chased around by these warriors you know he had that with saul the former king who tried to kill him i want to suffer only the discipline of the lord that this plague this pestilence would come for three days So the Lord sent this pestilence upon Israel from the morning until the appointed time and 70,000 men of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand towards Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who destroyed the people, it is enough, now relax your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking down the people and said, Behold, it is I who have sinned, and it is I who have done wrong. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and my father's house. So Gad came to David that day and said to him, Go up, build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. Arana looked down and saw the king. And the servants crossing over toward him. And Arana went out and bowed his face to the ground before the king. Then Arona said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, to buy the threshing floor from you. The threshing floor was the place where they would separate the wheat from the chaff, the grain. And they would pound it down on the ground. And then they would throw it up in the air. And the chaff would blow away. And the good stuff would still fall to the ground. So this threshing floor, he said, I want to buy from you in order to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be held back from the people. And Aaron said to David, you can have it. Let my Lord, the king, take and offer up what's good in his sight. The oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges for the yokes, like all this extra wood here, you can have for the sacrifice because we all want this plague to stop. And he said, everything, O king, Arana gives to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. However, the king said to Arana, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. For I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus the Lord was moved by a prayer for the land and the plague was held back from Israel. Thank you, Alana. Now, Arana said to King David, listen, all this stuff that you need for the sacrifice, this whole land, that everything you need, I got your back. Just take it. And David said, no. Now, if I was in King David's shoes, that would be pretty hard to say no to all that free stuff. I love free stuff. <laughs> if, when people are giving things away, I'm just like, free swag. I, I just love, I don't, I, we don't need more buttons, but they're free, I'll take the buttons. I like things that I maybe can't afford to enjoy, perhaps, right now, or spend money on, like, um, like a hot tub. I love hot tubs, um, saying there's, there's more of us here. So, you know, if you're a family in the church, if you have a hot tub, man, we'd love to get to know you and we'll come over. We just want to pray with you and share a meal. Um, If you have a hot tub and you're like, oh, that's, we just met. Like, that's awkward. I I don't think I'd be up for that. Hey, that's that's cool. We totally understand. Um, If it would be less awkward, we'd be happy to just, you know, come over sometime maybe when you're out or if you're on vacation or something. And me and the kids, Brittany probably won't come, but me and the kids, we clean up um we'll put some of the chemicals in the tub after the use we put the cover down we bring our own towels so <laughs> so irana wants to give everything to david and he says no he says i'm not going to offer to my god that which costs me nothing yeah. it needs to cost me something now, back in the day, sacrifices were a little bit different. It'd be weird if, you know, people were sacrificing goats and bulls and oxen. Your neighbor's having a big barbecue, and you're like, uh, what are you doing there? That's a, that is a goat. Honey, he's putting the goat on the barbecue. Oh, my gosh. That would just be awkward. That'd be weird. But there are now, does, is there any goat lovers? I'm, sorry, I feel like I offended some people who love goats. Goats are great. Uh, greatest of all time. Uh... <laughs> There are modern-day examples. There are modern-day examples of things we can sacrifice. They generally, not limited to, but there's generally three areas of things that we can sacrifice in this day and age. Uh, it's our time, our treasure, and our talents. So our time, when we sacrifice our time to God, you guys, congratulations, you've made a sacrifice. You're here today. There, you could be anywhere else in the world, and you here you are in this place to come learn about Jesus, to learn about God, to worship and to praise him together with other people. That's pretty cool. That's a sacrifice. He sacrificed your time. So you can sacrifice your time by maybe waking up a few minutes earlier, spending time in the word of God, maybe a little bit of worship music on in the background. And then there's your treasure, your money, ultimately, what you feel, hey, this is something I've earned. This is my treasure. The Bible says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Maybe it's your hot tub. It's a treasure. You need to share that with your pastor. (laughs) My phone's just going to be lit up like, hey, hot tub party. Let's go, let's go. So there are different things that we can offer up as a sacrifice our our talent listen each of us in this room has a gift from the lord there are grace gifts that god gives to the body of believers people who simply say hey listen i believe in jesus christ I don't know all that it means, but i want to say yes to him, and then God will work through you. He'll give you the capacity in each of these different areas to help build up the church. The church is, in the Greek, the word is the ekklesia. Ekklesia, church, means the called out and called together. This building, yes, it's a church. We call it a church, but we don't go to church. We go to be with the church, the people together, and God gives each of us a special capacity to do something for the Lord. That is our talent. Now the key with a sacrifice is it's voluntary. You don't have to necessarily do these things. Give up your time, treasure, and talents. It's a choice to sacrifice them. It's a choice to come to church, to be with the church. It's a choice to lift up your hand and praise God the way he likes to be praised is recorded in scripture. It's a choice to to sing even when you don't have golden pipes and people look at you funny. Well, guess what? My worship is for the Lord. My worship is for Jesus. That's my sacrifice of praise. So why would we do these things? Why would we do these things if they're voluntary? If doing the least we can get away with, why would we do the most? It's because... Doing the least is not the abundant life that God has called you to. It's not the abundant life that he has called you up for. The abundant life is not cheap. The abundant life on the other side of sacrifice. It costs you something. It goes beyond just this good enough this comfortable church idea or comfortable religion that we have that we can kind of just, you know, check things out a little bit, and it's kind of like my own, you know, thing with God sort of thing, that that is not good enough. There is this sense where we have, where we feel like we need to do something. It's not what we do. But there is a sacrifice of our time and our money, our resources, our talents that we give to God, that he blesses. There is breakthrough on the other side of our sacrifice. There is peace of mind on the other side of sacrifice. There's holiness on the other side of sacrifice. There is nearness to God, and it's on the other side of sacrifice. And nearness to God is worth everything to me. So we say to God, just take all of it. I surrender, I sacrifice it all. God, whatever you want me to keep, I put it all on the altar. Whatever's left after the fire comes down and consumes it, I'll keep. But God, I don't want anything if it's not from you, if it's not for me. I want to choose the abundant life for me and for my family, knowing, especially knowing that it's going to cost me something. So how can we, as Followers of Jesus Christ, how can we live this life of sacrifice? The first thing we can do is we can remember. We can remember what God has done in our lives. I think David would have done this before repenting and turning away and realizing, God, I need your forgiveness. Take my iniquity. My heart's far from you. That he would have remembered. Man, I remember when I was in the pit. I remember when I was with Bathsheba, and then I killed her husband, and God, you rescued me, rescued me from that pit, even after and through all the bad decisions and choices that I made. God, I remember when Saul was trying to kill me, and you protected me. God, I remember when I only had five smooth stones, and I went after the, the, uh, the giant Goliath. David remembers all these things and ultimately reminds him that the rescue that he's looking for only comes from God. And he says to God, remove the iniquity, remove the sin because my heart longs to be close to you. Now let me ask you, what has God done in your life? What can you recall? What can you remember today, right now, if I were to ask you, hey, what's something God's done in your life? What pit were you in? What mistake series of choices that you made that lay you down a dark path? Now listen, there is freedom, there is transformation, there is life change. I stand before you today because of that through Jesus Christ. And as we do, we can think back and recall where it was that I said yes to God, that I allowed him into my life rather than resisting his help and the transformation and change that comes from him. Now, if you've come out of a dark season of your life, there are lots of good things that you can do. But ultimately, the power and the authority of the change that's transpired in your life comes because of your yes to Jesus Christ. It's his authority and the good news of Jesus that transforms us. That leaves us changed. That we are going down one way and then we repent. We simply turn and we go the other way and say yes to Jesus Christ. It is his power in us. It's not an accident that you're here. God has called you. God has anointed you. He has brought you up and brought you out and brought you here. So we can praise the name of the Lord. And that's simply just what we do. That's simply what we, would, we, we respond with. When we're in worship and I start thinking through, man, I remember where God, where God brought me out of. All I can do is respond with my hands raised to say, thank you, God. Thank you that I'm not where I was. Thank you that you transformed and changed my life. You restored my marriage. You freed me from addiction. Thank you that I could be here with breath in my lungs today. When we remember what God has done in our lives, it changes our perspective and it leads us into worship to our God because we remember the God of the universe created us and loves us so much. This is what David did. So we can remember. And and here's the, the second thing. We can also ensure that it's our own sacrifice. That the sacrifice that we make to God is from us. Arana offered to give to David everything. The threshing floor, that whole land, the wood, everything he'd need for a fire. And this massive, you know, altar. And David said no. David said no. It's because otherwise, it would have been Arana's sacrifice, not David's sacrifice. And David said, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Just a thought, is is there something in your life that you're giving to God that's costing you nothing? Is there something that you're offering up to him that really is no sweat off my back? Now, there is something powerful with our sacrifice and with our surrender because we're ultimately placing our trust in him. If it's very easy for us to give and it doesn't really cost us anything, then it's not really a sacrifice. It's uh, it's just, you know, goats and bulls. It's this old way of living and thinking that doesn't matter to God today. That's not what he's after. See, when we come into the house and we we worship and we praise God, Amanda did an amazing job, you know, leading us in worship. I can't rely on Amanda's worship and her sacrifice to God. I can't say, hey... I, mean, I that was awesome. Thank you for your sacrifice. That was great. Or Tyler, setting up all our signs so people could find out where we are as a church. Thank you for your sacrifice. No, no, no. I need to make my own sacrifice. I won't allow someone else to make that sacrifice for me. Now, imagine what would happen if each of us, individually, collectively as a church, yes. But each of us within the church... Gave a sacrifice to the Lord. Maybe it's in worship. And we just said, God, we're just going to praise you. We're going to worship you. Each one made that decision for ourselves. Which We wouldn't imagine what God would do. The anointing, the power of his presence, his peace would come down across this place. It has to cost us something. We have to make it personal, or we're never going to offer anything. Because you don't pay for something that your heart's not in. The creator of the universe, worshiping God, that is something I want to put my heart into. That is something I will put my whole life into. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we have to make a decision, a choice. Do we believe that this is true? That the God of the universe came to the This planet that he created as Jesus Christ, and he died for us. And if that's the truth, then whatever you're going through today, it's gonna be okay if you believe in Jesus Christ, because this life is but a mist. It's gone. It's here one day, and it's gone the next. The Bible said, God has set eternity on the human heart, that you long and you desire for something more, something above and beyond anything that this world will try to satisfy. And it comes through our surrender with our whole life to Jesus Christ. I'll ask the band to come. And with my final point today, I wanna remind you that this sacrifice, the sacrifice that you make is bigger than you. The choice that you make is bigger than right now and is bigger than you. The scripture says that the angel of the Lord is at the threshing floor of Arana when the Lord stops the plague. So why is this significant? This this threshing floor where ultimately David builds the altar right where the plague stopped. Well, the next time we hear about this threshing floor, it's not at another time when David's offering another sacrifice. The next time we hear about the threshing floor is when David's son becomes king, King Solomon. And King Solomon builds the temple on this threshing floor to experience and encounter the very presence of God. In 2 Chronicles, it said, Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David, his father. The temple was built on the threshing floor of Arano the Jebusite, the site that David had selected. So Mount Moriah is the same place where Abraham sac- almost sacrificed his son Isaac to God. Then the Lord provided a ram in the thicket to sacrifice at the altar. And here it is now. Many years later, that the construction of this temple is completed to house the very presence of God. Now, we continue on in this story. It says in Second Chronicles, it says, When Solomon finished praying, this is after the construction of the temple, they offered up hundreds of thousands of animals as part of the sacrifice. And it says... When Solomon finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifice. And the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down in the glorious presence of the Lord, filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, he is good, his love endures forever. This is the same place that David made a sacrifice that would cost him something. And years later, his son, the next generation, has built this temple where the very presence of God resides. Where they couldn't even continue the service because the glory of the lord the awesome power and presence of god filled the temple you see there's a sacrifice that david made that for generations benefited king solomon benefited there's been sacrifices in this church our founding pastors, the Iversons, sacrificed seven years. Seven years helping to build this church led by Jesus Christ. They sacrificed. It cost them something. They would not sacrifice to God that which cost them nothing. Pastor Dave and Don, our se- senior pastors, for 27 years... They have made the presence of God a priority to allow broken and messed up and hurting people to come into this place and to praise our God, to learn about Jesus Christ and the teaching of his word. Maybe you have godly parents or grandparents that have raised you to know the truth of the Bible and the scriptures. See, there are people before us that have sacrificed. It's because of others sacrifice, that I'm here today. I came to faith in Jesus Christ, authentic, genuine faith in Jesus Christ and relationship in Him through this church. When I was deep in sin, I was messed up and addicted, far from God. The worst part is, is I thought I was good. I'm like, yeah, I I, I go to church once, maybe twice a month. Depends on, you know, there's an afternoon Flames game. And so it's, it's difficult. But then, you know, then there's the other thing. But, but no, I mean, like, I'm still, like, we're cool. Like, I like God. And, you know, but I never allowed the reality of that to change and influence my life. To, to permeate and to allow me to ask, what is the meaning of all of this? And it was through the church. Not because I wanted a great attendance record. I just simply started showing up because I needed God. We had newborn kids, two babies and I was, I was messed up. I was in my lowest possible point in life. And because of other people's sacrifice, they made a place where we could come broken as we were, sin addicted as we were, far from God as we were, to just worship God, to, to learn about Him, to know Him. Every Sunday morning and Wednesday night, Sunday morning and Wednesday night, sacrifice something, it did cost us something, But I needed to be in the house. I needed to hear the word of the Lord for my life because I didn't know where else to turn. I didn't know where else to go. I was far from God and every time I came into the place and I heard Pastor James plucking away at the guitar, Pastor Ryan preaching the word of the Lord or someone repeating scripture, something within me started to stir and change and I just wanted more and more and more of the presence of God. So I kept coming, sacrificing our time, our resources, so that we could just give to God something that costs us. Now, in the same way David made a sacrifice that so benefited his son Solomon, I'll tell you this, if my sacrifice enables my kids to experience the glory of God in a way that I may never experience on this side of heaven, then it's worth it for me. If my sacrifice, coming to church, giving, if, if my sacrifice means that my kids will have a real relationship with a living God, that they will put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, then it's worth it. Because I know that they're gonna face the same temptations. They're gonna face the same challenges. They're gonna go through life, and it's hard. Life's tough. But I rest in peace, knowing that they have a savior, that they choose something for them that will cost them something to sacrifice to God. Now, I don't know what it is for you, and I'm not here to tell you what it is you need to sacrifice. That's between you and the Lord. But whatever it is that you sacrifice, my encouragement to you today is that make sure it costs you something. That what you're giving up, that it's not about you. Your sacrifice to the Lord shows what your heart is connected to. God's not so much concerned about what it is that you're sacrificing. He's concerned about what's attached to your heart. So I won't cheapen the Lord with a lesser sacrifice in my life. I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. Because I have experienced the presence of God in my life. If you know Jesus Christ, then that's enough. That's all you need. Personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus and a little more money and then things will be okay. It's just Jesus. That's all you need. It's Jesus. When you accept him, when you allow him into your life, there's salvation. In a moment, in an instant, you're saved. You're going to be with Jesus forever. and That's great but then there's a process of sanctification that comes after, where it is simply, you just keep showing up. You keep saying yes, and being obedient to whatever it is that God places on your heart. And you watch as he works in areas of your life where he roots things out, but it's the power, the conviction, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit that will walk with you through that journey. So let me ask you, is your sacrifice costing you anything? What can you offer to God that matters to you, that costs you something, even today, knowing that the sacrifice is attached to your heart? That is what God is after. Now, I'll end with this last point. It says in that scripture that the priests could not continue their service because the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The same glorious, overwhelming, awesome power of God now reigns in us if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The Bible says, It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. This power is available to you today. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God lives in you? As followers of Jesus Christ, we together, the church, the ecclesia, called out and called together. We are God's temple. And the spirit of God dwells in us. It lives in us because of Jesus Christ. God no longer wants the bulls, the oxen, the goats. Those sacrifices are over. That's the old agreement, the old covenant. God sent Jesus Christ as the new covenant, the new agreement with his people, those that would be grafted into the spiritual family of Israel, God's chosen people that you and I, once far from God, can be made right with God through belief in Jesus Christ. The word of God says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you're saved.